With Radio On The Go News, Brian Fincher reporting. The recent rain helped to slightly improve some of the drought conditions in Iowa, but overall the state still needs a lot more precipitation. The latest U.S. Drought Monitor report shows that the coverage area for severe drought dropped just over 5%, while the exceptional drought category dropped by over 3.5%. However, the abnormally dry, moderate, severe, and extreme drought categories all had increases in coverage areas this week in the broadcast area, one half of Grundy, one half of Franklin, most of Butler, all of Floyd, most of Cerro Gordo, southeast Hancock, and most of Wright County remain in an extreme drought, while the rest of the local area is mainly in a severe drought. Late Monday afternoon, the Franklin County Sheriff's Department was called out on the report of a two-vehicle accident at the intersection of Highway 3 and Mallard Avenue, west of Hampton. 58-year-old Delfina Tello Paluto of Hampton, driving a 2006 Buick eastbound on Highway 3. At the same time, a 1997 Dodge pickup truck, driven by 43-year-old Kevin Dillon of Alexander, pulled out from the stop sign at Mallard Avenue and struck the Tello Paluto vehicle. The collision caused both vehicles significant damage, were disabled in the roadway and ditch near the intersection. No injuries were reported. Dillon was cited for failure to prove security against liability accident-related. Tuesday afternoon, Hardin County Sheriff's Department arrested 30-year-old Megan Cook of Swaledale, who was wanted on a warrant for failing to appear from the original charge of third-degree theft, Cook being held at the Hardin County Jail. The Hancock County Board of Supervisors this week opened bids for rent of various secondary road-owned farm ground. The Hancock Supervisors received a quote to paint the east stairwell of the courthouse from Jennings Painting and Decoration Limited of Fertile for $13,500, and the Hancock County Board of Supervisors appointed Veronica Moss as a new Veterans Affairs Commissioner. A leader in the union that represents 19,000 federal employees who work in Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, and the Dakotas says some of them will be required to work without pay if there is a federal government shutdown. Rarick Otop is the national vice president of the American Federation of Government Employees. TSA employees would still go to work during a shutdown, however, without a paycheck. Uh, he joined an online news conference organized by the Iowa Democratic Party. In our union, we had uh, many discussions with a lot of uh, federal lawmakers up on Capitol Hill. The indication we had as of a month ago was that there was going to be a deal that was struck amongst House Republicans to avert this, only for them to then renege on that deal and to come back and to hold us all hostage with the, with the threat of a shutdown. He says a shutdown would bring the country to a screeching halt. I don't know that, that folks really realize how many government agencies really exist and and what they all do. So, I mean, we, we run the full gamut of uh, you know law enforcement agencies, agricultural, uh, you name it. Some USDA employees are represented by uh, his union, but the USDA would shut down with the exception of critical functions like firefighters and the U.S. Forest Service who protect property. Monday night, the Iowa Falls City Council held a special meeting, discussed the city's leaf and brush pickup program. Council members wanted staff to bring back more financial information and options for how the city moves forward 
with equipment or altering the program. In other business, the Iowa Falls Council increased the amount the city gives the Greenbelt Humane Society for spaying and neutering stray cats from $7,000 to $10,500, and the Iowa Falls City Council approved a new city logo. Today, the Hampton City Council will consider renewal of an employment agreement with the police chief Mark Morrison and will consider requests for downtown street closures for the Halloween Howl event planned for October 28th. The Hampton City Council meets today at 6 p.m. at the council chambers. The Applington-Parkersburg School Board recently discussed facility updates. Superintendent Travis Fleshner says the district will work throughout this school year to analyze the current facilities and determine what potential upgrades would benefit the district and community the most. Probably the biggest thing really, you know, overarching, you know, thing where we're going to work on this school year is a really a master plan. The board spent time last year, talked to some different vendors. So we've got an architect and a communication team on board that's going to kind of help walk us through a full facility master plan. So lots and lots of things will be looked at, all the buildings and how buildings are arranged and you know, indoor, obviously, classroom spaces, but also outdoor spaces are, are there things you might want to improve upon. Fletcher says the school board is committed to receiving feedback and to continue to have buildings in both cities. I think the school board has done a really, really nice job of taking time, seeking input, you know, seeking feedback from community stakeholders. Really what the board is committed to at this time is, is there will be a school footprint in, in both communities. There'll be a building in Applington, there'll be a building in Parkersburg. The board will host a facility planning meeting with school personnel and community groups on Wednesday, October the 4th. The Share the Warmth Drive is back again this year for Franklin County. The drive is supported by the Greater Franklin County Chamber of Commerce and Franklin Family Focus. Residents are asked to help keep Franklin County warm this winter by donating gently used or new coats, mittens, hats, scarves, boots, snow pants, and other winter items for all ages. There are numerous drop-off locations, including in Hampton, Latimer, and Coulter. The items will be collected until October 25th. Pickup for the items is set to begin October 28th at 4 p.m. at Banshell Park in Hampton and at Coulter City Park. For more information, go to HamptonIowa.org. Again, that's HamptonIowa.org. The Alden Fall Family Festival is Sunday from 4 to 7 p.m. There will be free inflatables. At 5 p.m., there will be a free dinner in the park served by the Alden Horizons Group. The Halloween costume parade and contest will begin at 5.30 p.m., followed by a fire truck rides at the Alden Fire Department at 6 p.m. From 6 to 7.30 p.m. Sunday in Alden, Jack Jensen will be in concert and fireworks win the event at 7.30 p.m. The first fall tree color report has been released by the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. For Northeast Iowa, the fall color season is well underway as the color change started early, most likely due to the drought. Lots of vibrant colors are being reported from sugar maple, sumac, Virginia creeper, ash, walnut, basswood, and cottonwood. In north central Iowa, some buckeyes are turning red. Walnut and cottonwood trees are turning yellow. The estimated peak viewing time for northeast and north-central Iowa is between October 5th and the 10th. The Powerball jackpot climbed to an estimated $925 million 
after no one beat the immense odds and won the giant prize last night. Well, the latest bit of lottery losing, there have now been 30 consecutive drawings without a jackpot winner, dating back to July 19th when a player in California won $1.08 billion. That win the streak is due to the tough odds of winning the Powerball jackpot at 1 in 292.2 million. Although the game highlights the $925 million prize, that is for a winner who has paid through an annuity over 30 years. Most winners choose the cash payout option for the next drawing a Saturday night. That will be an estimated $432 million. Today's guest on the Radio On The Go Newsmaker Program is Jim Coffey with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. We'll be discussing tips drivers can use in trying to avoid hitting deer. The Radio On The Go Newsmaker Program Here's weekdays during the noon hour on KLMJ, following the news, weather, and obituaries with archive programs available under the News tab at RadioOnTheGo.com. The high in the past 24 hours here at our studios, 74 and the low of 57. For Radio On The Go News, Brian Fincher reporting.